welcome to Your Killer Life, where together we tackle the reality of surviving a killer diagnosis like cancer, and I help guide you through creating your killer life. I am your host, Tammy Grable Woodford, and in this podcast, we aren't leaving anything out as my guests and I share deeply personal insights and experiences as we talk about trauma, loss, treatment options, caregiving, side effects, money. Hey, we open it all up. In fact, we are even going into the forbidden zone to talk about sex, relationships, and mental health. Remember, the conversations you hear on the show are based on unique experiences and varying diagnoses, and we all had our own medical teams. We are not giving medical advice. So if you hear something inspiring, please talk with your providers. All right. Are you ready? I know I am. So let's get busy and start building your killer life. Hello and welcome back to Your Killer Life. We have got an amazing guest today. And Isa, I am going to try not to butcher your last name because it's French. And I already admitted in the uh, green room that I don't, I don't speak French well. Actually, what I didn't tell you is I got an F in French in high school. It was the first and only class I ever failed. But we're going to give it a try. Today, we've got Issa Lermignon with True Holistic Nutrition. And I am so excited to have you as a guest. I personally, when I went through my cancer treatment, and for those, if this is your first podcast, I was diagnosed with stage 3B ILC with metastasis to the dermis. Um, It had made it to my nipple and also metastasis to the lymphatic system, to my lymph nodes. And I was fortunate enough to work with a Fabno, and that is a naturopathic oncologist who shared an office with my medical oncologist. So I had the resources available to me, both from a naturopathic perspective and also from the conventional medicine perspective. And Isa, you trained at the College of Naturopathic Medicine in London, both in nutritional therapy and naturopathy. And you also work in the principles of functional medicine. For someone who might not be familiar with all of that, well, first of all, please you know, feel free to add to your bio there with your introduction and tell us a little bit about you. And then after that, could you tell us a little bit about what that means if someone's not familiar with the world of functional medicine or naturopathy? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so functional medicine, I will start with that because for me, it's really important. Functional medicine is basically, it was uh, I think originally made for uh, medical doctors in the US who did not have naturopathy or nutrition training, I mean, enough of it, so that they could augment their scope of practice. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was created, I think, by this guy who's amazing. He's the head of the Functional Institute for Functional Medicine, Jeffrey Blanner. He's amazing, this guy. He's got so much knowledge. And this group, this Institute for Functional Medicine is growing by the day. So many medical doctors are actually wanting to learn more about how the body works, other ways to heal the body, as you were saying about your um, naturopathic practitioner, oncologist, which I think is absolutely fantastic because both medicines should really work together. Everybody should be respectful of each other for the greater good of the patients. That's what I believe in. So functional medicine is really addressing the root causes of what's going on in our bodies. They have this map uh, with, you know, you go deep and then you go deeper and you go so deep that you get to exactly what's going on. And I really love that. Naturopathy is a combination of tools. So it starts with detoxification, but it addresses, uh, it uses also traditional Chinese medicine, homeopathy, herbal medicine. I also did something with backflower remedy, and that's that was amazing. And also iridology. For those who don't know about iridology, it's the study of the iris. So I know that This has been called quackery by a lot of people. But to be honest, I mean, uh, I use that in practice and it's really helped me uh, with, I'm not going to say diagnosis because I don't like that, but with uh, understanding what's going on in somebody's body. I look at the nails, I look at the eyes, I look at the, the hair, I look at the skin. So yeah, it's really, it's really important. And then the nutrition is my passion and it's understanding how food 
affects us and how food is actually communication between ourselves and energy. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a passion of mine. I love it. And how long has this been a study and a practice of yours? So um, I started training 10 years ago for three years. But before that, I had already looked into nutrition and naturopathy because of, you know, health problems. We, when we were all of our students and were introducing each other, it was funny how maybe 95% of us were there studying nutrition and naturopathy because of some health problems, either our own or somebody we love. A lot of people who had parents or children with cancer, that was like most of the students in my in my class actually so for me it was it just started with a slip disc back problems and not being able to get rid of that and then having all sorts of digestive issues and then my skin had lots of things on it and i didn't understand I went to see a traditional chinese medicine practitioner who basically told me that my blood was poisoned <laughs> and i didn't understand what she meant and so I basically went online afterwards and I, I Googled it. I don't know if Google was there at the time, but I just put it on the internet and it came up with leaky gut. And then I researched leaky gut and, uh, and then I realized that actually my digestive system was a mess and then I had to build it up again, heal it. And I didn't know how to do that. So I went to see a nutritionist and so she helped me do that. Uh, and that for me was the the beginning of this amazing journey uh, because I wanted to know more. Uh, the thing is, before I started uh, going to the CNM college, I was just like grabbing information here and there like a patchwork, but I really wanted to make sense of it all. So I decided to study science, which was never my forte. But I was like, you know what, I really want to know what's going on and I want to be able to help other people. So, yeah. So you were, you're from France. You lived in the UK and studied in the UK. And now you're in the United States. And so I know that my experience and my friends from overseas, the attitude towards nutrition, natural medicine, naturopathy, uh, holistic approaches is more openly received in other countries, maybe more so than the United States. And I, I don't know if that's just sort of a byproduct of us still being so young, right, as a, as a nation <laughs> and still figuring our stuff out. So we don't have that thousands of years of traditional Chinese medicine and those, those, uh, treatments and, and uh, grandma's medicine, right? Yeah, <laughs> That's passed down. Mm. So, um, I'm so glad you're here in the United States and I'm so excited for this conversation as we talk about gut health and how the gut is really the seat of the immune system. For those that are listening in for the first time, I had an amazing interview podcast episode with the lymphedema guru and Joe, it was amazing. And he has such great research and the importance of the immune system, the lymphatic system with your immune system. And what we can do, especially those of us who have had cancer, who often have lymph nodes removed and have challenges there. But the lymphatic system isn't the only tool in the arsenal. And in fact, gut health is critical to overall health. And so I am excited for us to talk today about how gut health is really the seat of the immune system. And I'm just going to let you take it away. Thank you. So it all starts with this guy called Hippocrates from ancient Greece. Um, he is said to be the father of medicine. And as a lot of people know, they uh, take the Hippocratic Oath uh, when they were, I mean, medical students who are graduating take the Hippocratic Oath to uh, promise that they do no harm to their patients and they're going to make sure that they do whatever it takes to bring this patient's health back to um, its optimal function. Um, and so the gut 
has always been known to be the most important organ, even though there is no organ per se, like uh, the stomach that you can you know, draw or the liver or the bile, um, the biliary ducts and the lungs and the heart. It's really uh, like a sheet. Uh, my husband said something yesterday about it being like a raincoat. And it kind of is like a raincoat from your mouth down to your anus. And it protects, uh, it's only a cell thick. So it's like super, super thin, but very strong because the body is that strong. And so basically it, it filters whatever you eat, you eat to whether it's going to get into the body or not. Because that raincoat is basically semi-permeable. So uh, it lets some molecules in and some molecules out. Usually tiny molecules are allowed. So vitamins, uh, minerals, amino acids, you know, some good fats and everything. And then the big molecules from probably, you know, things like gluten and everything, they're going to stay outside because they're not allowed in because the body recognizes them as uh, antigens, so bad guys. So thing is, when in my situation, you have leaky gut, you have holes in that raincoat. And so the big molecules are allowed in. And then your body reacts and is like, whoa, what's going on? You know, I don't recognize these molecules. And then starts an inflammation process to fight the bad guys. So it's like a little war that starts and everything. But if you keep on you know, allowing the molecules in because you don't realize what's going on in your body, then the inflammation is getting bigger and bigger. And so after a while, you end up with some symptoms. It could be, I don't know, headaches. It could be hormone problems. It could be skin problems. It could be, you know, digestive problems. It could be a lot of things. And then it goes on and on and on. So uh, the gut is basically the foundation of who we are. It's the grounding of who we are. And that's why for me, with my clients, I always, always address the gut, no matter what. I love what you said about inflammation and how that in the beginning, because I think inflammation is something that is misunderstood that we automatically assume inflammation is bad and don't necessarily understand that if you just went for a, a hard run, that exercise can create that inflammation in the body, that as a response to trying to fix something that can create some inflammation in the body. Do you want to, or could I get you to talk just a second about how inflammation it can be good and too much can be bad and kind of how that works in the system? Yeah, so it's really about the difference between acute inflammation when you hurt yourself, for example, if you cut yourself or if you, you know, you've just fallen down to the ground and you've scraped your legs or whatever, and chronic inflammation, which is inflammation going on and on and on. So inflammation is super important for us because it protects the area where the injury has happened. So it basically closes up on that area. For example, say, I mean, I burn myself all the time uh, taking stuff in and out of the oven, right? right. Uh, and so I get injured, you know, I get inflammation, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I look sometimes, so not all the time because I, I have, you know, uh, you know, lots of things going on in my life, but sometimes I just take the time to look at what's going on on my skin and I'm really amazed at how things happen. Uh, because then you have all these cells that go around the, the injury and that protect you and they protect that sort of area in order to not make it bigger. And then you have, you know, like, for example, if you've scraped your knee or whatever, then you have a crust and that's part of the inflammation as well and the repair. And then the crust goes away, then the skin is all new because it protects the new skin. And then you don't have, if you let it happen, you don't have um, a scar because the process has been natural. If we take this, the crust off, sometimes we get scars, you know. Um, and I used to use that when I was little because it's annoying. But um, so that's acute inflammation. Now, chronic inflammation is usually uh, happens within. A lot of the time from leaky gut, but it could be, you know, from other things like, for example, chronic stress. Uh, 
mm-hmm. triggers inflammation. The um, stress hormones are great because they help us cope, but they're only supposed to be active for a while, not for a long time. And so if we're stressed over a period of time, I mean, I know that some people can be stressed for years and decades and everything, then that's going to create chronic inflammation in the body. And then the body will want to counteract that. And then something's going to give because, you know, you you can't uh, sustain uh, balance in in a state of chronic inflammation. So, um, yeah, that happens to many of us, I have to say. In my case, and it was working with my naturopath, and I've seen a naturopath for a number of years. And for me, it was adrenal fatigue that my cortisol levels were so high for so long that it suppressed my adrenal function. And so I've had adrenal support. And so it is interesting that inflammation is this wonderful tool and it's brilliance in the body. And then that chronic inflammation can uh, be Turn, turn what some, something so magical can turn something so magical against us and cause issues. So with cancer treatments, and since this is, uh, we talk all things breast cancer here, mm. there are a couple things that go on. Well, <laughs> more than a couple, but some of the things that I hear often are, I've been told to gain weight how can I gain weight in a healthy way? And yet at the same time with some of the treatments, not only is it hard to gain weight, it's it's damaging to the microbiome and to the gut health. And you have a hard time eating for a number of reasons, whether it's you don't have the appetite or you have mouth sores or, you know, the... The treatments can be brutal in that way. And then the other side of that, and I'll remind us because I have a feeling we'll talk for a while on how we can gain weight in a healthy way or some tips there to gain weight while still maintaining the integrity and hopefully strengthening the immune system. But then the other side of that, and I know I experienced this, um, is trying to lose weight after all of the surgeries and treatments and kind of what happens there with metabolic changes and, and it's not, things don't work like they did. (laughs) It's not like it was, it's not that simple. So can we talk a little bit about how we can maybe um, maintain gut health, gain some weight and utilize health, healthy foods and tools and nutrition to our advantage while going through that process? Yeah, that's a Super good question because a lot of people uh, in your situation and with other situations like uh, multiple sclerosis and other autoimmune diseases, they're struggling with having appropriate nutrition because you're exhausted, uh, you're hurting, you uh, you're stressed. In your situation, you know, with cancer, a lot of the time, you know, people are afraid that they're going to die. So. So basically, your life is kind of uh, at a standstill. So I would like to talk about fats for a few a few minutes. Please. Because, yeah, because fats have been demonized for so many decades. And we have to, it, just like for inflammation, we have to separate fats into the useful fats for our body who needs the fats because our brain is made of fat because our hormones and our neurotransmitters need fat. All of the cells in our bodies, in our body, they need fat. Okay, they they all have this phospholipid, uh, which is a fat membrane around them. So when you deprive somebody of fats, basically you're killing the cells or you're preventing the cells from communicating with each other. Now you have some other fats like, you know, the fats from processed foods and from vegetable oils like grapeseed oils and canola and um, margarine um, that has been said to be a savior from butter at one point, And I completely disagree with that. Uh, it might be controversial, but I will have some grass-fed butter anytime over margarine, which, by the way, is one, one molecule away from plastic in its, uh, the way it's made. So let's have the real stuff. Okay, Um, so if you want to gain weight, usually uh, you have to increase your good fats, your protein as well. So when I say protein, I mean, you know, for people who like eating meat, you can have some really good quality meat. You can have some really good quality fish, some great quality eggs as well, uh, free range, organic. And if you're vegan, 
like my daughter, then some really good quality organic lentils and, you know, beans and, you know, um, all these things that have fantastic nuts and seeds and lots and lots and lots of veg, replacing the sugar with good fats, good protein and vast array of the rainbow uh, in fruit and vegetables. And I'm not saying it's e it's easy. It's not easy. But if you do it little by little, by little, step by step, then yes, you will uh, put on the weight and you will put on the weight because in your mind, you know that you're giving your body what your body needs. And it's a fantastic feeling, you know, so... So that's what I believe in. And if you want to make a, a shake, for example, you can buy um, some really good quality protein shakes. There are a few out there um, for people who are going through those kind of illnesses and those experiences. And you can add, you know, your berries and you can add your spinach, your kale, your nut butters. And you can drink that, you know, in two or three times. You don't have to, you know, down it. Because sometimes, you know, when you're going through and uh, uh, you probably have been through that, it's like your appetite has shrunk. So you can't have, I don't know if you had to have like several meals a day, but like tiny. But um, a lot of people that I've worked with, you know, they can't handle uh, the big shakes. So they, they will only have like, you know, um, maybe, you know, half uh, a glass, uh, maybe over three or four uh, times and that's that's perfectly okay as long as they get the the good stuff in I love that I know that when I met with my naturopathic oncologist his his nutrition and I was freaking out about nutrition and I think this is kind of a common thing because when you're diagnosed with cancer you feel like you have zero control over anything the you're choosing from options you never would have signed up for otherwise so you don't really have control you're just making the best decisions you can based on the hand that you've been dealt and the taking the path you think is going to be the best path for your healing and so for me, it was like, do I go all alkaline? Do I go keto? Do I go? And I was making myself crazy with it. And my naturopathic oncologist was the one that was like, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Get as close as you can to food that you could forage yourself, you could hunt yourself, that you could make yourself and get rid of anything processed. And sugar, which is going to be my next question, actually, his comment on that was get rid of sugar, except for using nice organic maple or organic honey when something calls for it. And so one of the things I do all that I love remaking recipes and omitting sugar and using maple or honey in its place. And not only do I find honey to be sweeter anyway, and it takes less of it, there are other benefits there, but I did want to ask about sugar because just like fat, sugar is something that your brain needs to function. You do need to have certain amounts of it. That does not mean it has to come in that square or white spoonful type sugar because berries, fruits, vegetables, and, and all kinds of other ways that you can get that. But what recommendations would you have with regard to sugar? Because we also know that, especially in the United States, fats were labeled bad, sugar was labeled good. And so you'll look at a pack of licorice and it'll proudly promote that it's fat-free and all it is is, is a dye-colored reformed sugar water. <laughs> so yeah, so let's talk sugar for a second because that seems to be one of the controversies sometimes. And I will tell you, when I was first diagnosed and I left the imaging office, they handed me a, a little bag of Hershey's Kisses when I would go to the oncologist's office because the natural, uh, the Fabno shared the office with the medical oncologist. There were always cupcakes and cakes and things like that. And I wouldn't partake. And I've kind of taken, not, I'm not saying that I won't have a slice of birthday cake, but one thing I have consistently done with my food is get as close as I can to things, following his advice, as close as I can to as natural and unprocessed as possible and eliminating processed sugar. That's a fantastic subject and I love it. And my family and my friends say that I'm a sugar fascist. So I'm very happy to dive into this um, because since my digestive problems, um, I went on a, I don't know if you've heard about candida. So candida is a yeast that lives within us. 
And that is fine. You know, it just lives its life and it's okay. But then when you start having imbalance and dysbiosis, uh, which is, you know, problems with the gut, then this candida takes over and can become quite, um, overwhelming and gives you, give you like lots of symptoms. And I have many symptoms. So the first thing I had to do, I was a sugar addict. I mean, like I was a sugar addict. I was eating cakes. I was eating pasta. I was eating all this stuff, you know, jam and Nutella and all these things. And so I had to quit all that. And I was so hard. And I, I said to my family, you know, I'm, I'm going to be horrible for three weeks because I knew that it takes 21 days to, to break a habit. And I was horrible for 21 days, to be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I own that. But then I quit sugar for six months. Uh, I, I did that diet for six months. And then I had a slice of, I was in the UK and carrot cake is a big thing. So I had a slice of carrot cake. And honestly, I never understood why I loved carrot cake so much. It was so sweet. And sugar is addictive. Sugar has been found to be more addictive than cocaine. Sugar feeds cancer. So cancer cells thrive on sugar and they hate oxygen. So basically, and I'm not going to say that it's the only two things that you should do, but like, you know, you deprive the cancer of uh, sugar and you bring it lots of oxygen, breathing. Some people do um, ozone therapy. Some people do... Uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which is like, you know, deep oxygen immersion. Uh, and then the body can breathe again because we don't breathe in our culture. And so the sugar, that's one thing that I found. So it was already the case in England when I was living there. But when I came over to the US two and a half years ago, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I could not find anything without sugar in it. And uh, there's sugar in the salami, there's sugar in the fermented foods, the good cane sugar in fermented foods, which are supposed to be amazing and a great uh, medicine food for your, for your gut. And there's sugar everywhere in the bread, uh, in the ham, in cheese. And I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? So, uh, so fruit. Yeah, I, I mean, that was one of the things that would make me crazy because I became an avid label reader with my diagnosis, right? Absolutely. And picking up a bag of frozen fruit and there's sugar added to the fruit. Like you have to literally read and identify, you know, and hey, I don't truly do not pass judgment on those that, that no. want to stick with their, their diet and their process. But I will tell you for me, it was one of the easiest things to omit from my diet that I could follow science to that says, yeah, you probably shouldn't be eating that. And it was so hard. And I think that's why the naturopathic oncologist was so, so adamant about, you know, hitting the farmer's markets and and almost self-processing, which I do now. I just made some beautiful wild black raspberry jam sweetened with honey instead of mm. sugar. And it's fantastic. And it didn't take that much honey, but it's retraining the brain. And yeah, I don't know about you, but when I go long periods of time without sugar and I have that first bite, I totally understand why little kids get amped up when they're on Absolutely. sugar, right? Like, because yeah. you can feel it. And if you, if you eat it all the time, you might not have that sensation, but you abstain for a bit and it's a little jarring what it, <laughs> what it does to the system. It just, it's, it creates um, some ups and downs in your uh, insulin levels. And so you, it's like you're hooked. Uh, it's like you're deprived of your drugs or your alcohol and you just crave that next fix. And it's just ongoing. And because we give children and we, for ourselves as well, um, have so much sugar all the time, we don't realize these up and down, ups and downs. But when you, uh, I've taken my daughter of my youngest daughter of sugar when she was 14. And there were ups and downs for real. And that's when I knew that she was, you know, um, very much addicted to, to sugar. And that's a sign, you know, when you take the sugar away for even a day or two, you see uh, the consequences, mood swings, you know, you can't sleep and, and you're cranky, you know, you just want your fix. So now with sugar... Are the natural sugars the same way? So when we talk about 
And when we say honey, you also have to read a label and be very careful with honey because you need to make sure that you're actually getting organic honey, not a honey product. With maple, you have to make sure you're getting actual maple and not something called maple syrup, but organic tree sap, you're getting maple. Um, And then of course there's fruit and there are so many other sugars out there, including, and I have learned this, like I can't look for sugar-free. I have to look for unsweetened in things because sugar-free usually means that there is a chemical sweetener that has been added versus the cane sugar and unsweetened means that it's unsweetened. There's nothing nothing in it. So are the natural sugars as addictive or uh, to the body? And then after that, let's talk a little bit about artificial sweeteners and how those impact, especially the microbiome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I like your choice of sugars because I use that too. And I'm very careful. I'm very, very lucky because uh, our neighbors have two beehives and we get the honey from them. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, my stepchildren, uh, they love that. So I've taken away four things, but I've taken away all the processed sugars and everything. But they can have the honey. That's my, uh, you know, that's the trade-off. And that's amazing. And the thing with natural sugars like, you know, with fruit, you only need a small amount. And that's the proof that uh, it's natural is you don't uh, binge on that sugar. I mean, like try binging on a jar of honey. You can't. I mean, even if you're a sugar addict, because you would feel sick because it's so wholesome. It's so, you know, full of many, many things that are good for you. But then after a while, you know, you feel, I think I've had enough. Uh, maple syrup, and as you were saying, you know, not all maple syrups are the same. So you have to be super careful uh, reading the labels and everything. And that's something that I like doing with my clients is teaching them how to read the labels. And I'm really glad that you went to your naturopathic oncologist to explain to you how to read stuff. Because if you don't know, uh, you're kept in the dark. You really have, it's like code. So you have to decipher the codes. Anything ending with O's, it's sugar. Anything ending with O's. And then you have, you know, the preservatives, citric acid, for example, that could be uh, also like, it's not sugar, but it acts as sugar. MSG, monosodium glutamate, same thing. So you have to be really careful what you're putting in your body. And then stevia, but the stevia plant. I've never actually tried stevia. I've never been drawn to it because I don't eat sugar anyway. The only sugar I eat is organic dates uh, occasionally. Love those. Yeah, me too. Uh, full of fiber, super good for the gut. Uh, but uh, the stevia plant is what you, 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 you want to get, not the stevia powder that's been processed, like, you know, white salt, refined salt and everything. So, so yeah, but those, those two that you were mentioning, absolutely. I read a book a long time ago. I still have it on my bookshelf back there. <laughs> I read a lot of books and it was, uh, the book is excitotoxins and I'll link oh, yeah. to it. I into, that book. It's about it is, MSG. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing book and it's an eye opener as to how some of these things uh, really are so damaging to your body. And, you know, we're, we're sort of, I don't know exactly how to phrase it without it sounding controversial, but we're, we are conditioned to believe that we are trading something really bad for something that is better. And that being the case with like fat. And yes, there are some fats that are bad. Not all fats are bad, but we're being told on a package of candy that, you know, the candy is a better choice because it has zero fat. And so same kind of thing with many excitotoxins and it is definitely worth a read. Hey, Tammy here, and I am so excited to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Riverdance Soapworks. When I was first diagnosed with breast cancer, I immediately started paying extra attention to what I ate and the products I used. That's when I discovered Deb and her team of artisans at Riverdance Soapworks, where they handcraft luxurious, natural, and good-for-the-body products like soaps, deodorants, and body butters, products that we use in our house every day. Griff loves the cedar whiskey soap and my favorite, well, I love the kawaii ginger. These soaps are handcrafted, hydrating, and luxurious enough to make you wanna wash those hands for 20 seconds or more. 
Visit RiverdanceSoapWorks.com to check out their many amazing products and mention my name, Tammy, with a purchase of $25 or more and you'll receive a free trial size hand sanitizer while supplies last. So don't delay and visit RiverdanceSoapWorks.com today. So we talked about gaining weight and we've talked about how the gut is this raincoat and seat of the immune system. What about losing weight? And that can be such a hard thing. And it's probably too complex than just the nutrition because especially with women who are on hormone suppressing therapies or have had uh, surgical removal of uterus or ovaries and had full hysterectomy or partial hysterectomy, or even having the breasts removed is going to impact in some ways the uh, hormone balance. So, but talking about things that we can, can do from a nutritional perspective that can support us in weight loss, because I think that a lot of times, and you and I did not talk about this in the green room. So I'm curious. I know for me, two things that helped me lose weight was uh, to eat more often to have protein at every meal and really pay attention to my macronutrients and then also to intermittently fast. And those things helped me finally get rid of the weight that and, and inflammation and I, I just retained so much fluid, this fluid retention that I had. I had to have endermology to try and get rid of some of it. It was just so bad. And that finally sort of cracked that nut for me. But from from an expert, not somebody who's like, in my life, this is what worked. Um, what advice or tips would you have for folks who are trying to lose the weight? That's a fantastic question. Uh, so my first uh, answer is that every single person is unique. So one size does not fit all. Some people will do very badly on intermittent fasting, which is something that I really love. I love intermittent fasting. But like if I'm uh, dealing with somebody with huge stress, I will make sure that the stress levels are down before. So I will want that person to, as you were saying, eat small but often have their protein uh, every meal, balanced meals and everything, because you want the stress levels to come down first. You don't want to add additional stress by telling them, oh, you need to eat within a window of, you know, six to eight hours. Otherwise, you know, things are going to happen to you. <laughs> so it's really about nourishing the body first. And it's also about nourishing the mind because they work together um, we want, I mean, I want uh, the people to find themselves in a place of peace before they can address the body. But I love intermittent fasting. I think it's fantastic because intermittent fasting is really eating uh, within a smaller window. So basically, you can start. I like the eight hour window of eating because I think that a lot of people can do it. So basically, you can start eating at, let's say, like nine o'clock in the morning, but then your last meal will have to be no later than five. Or you can do 10 in the morning and then six o'clock at night, which is fantastic because then it gives your body two to three hours to digest before going to bed. And then when you sleep is when your body is detoxifying, your brain is dumping all the bad stuff, all the toxins into the body, the liver is taking over. And so if you don't have to deal with digestion, then that's the best thing. So I think for people who really want to lose weight, if they're not too stressed, too stressed, even if they don't want to change much, intermittent fasting would be a really good way to start. Drinking more water. Hello, we're all dehydrated. Okay, so when we're dehydrated, we're stocking up as well. So drinking more water and sometimes, you know, we think we're hungry, but actually we're thirsty because those signals are the same. So what I say to people is like, you know, if you're hungry, maybe have a glass of water, uh, water with cucumber, mint or lemon or something exciting. Have that water and then see how you're doing uh, after 15 minutes. And if you're still hungry, then it means you're hungry. If you're not hungry and you're doing something else, it means that, well, you are dehydrated. Uh, but a lot of people think they think that uh, drinking water is an option, uh, which 
sometimes blows my mind. Uh, I find it amazing, but we've forgotten how important it is to drink water, just water. And the protein, uh, protein, as you were mentioning, is so important because protein at, at, with every meal, it feeds our muscles, it feeds our cells, it, feel, it feeds everything in our body, just like fat, you know. Um, so we can't just, you know, have some sugar and not have some protein. We need protein first. We need lots of uh, vegetables, some fruit, not too much fruit because it's still sugar. But uh, yeah, protein at every meal is really something that will satisfy the appetite and will not leave people in a state of, mm, I'd like something more. Same with fat, actually. I know for me, that was huge, right? When I added protein and fat, I was no longer almost obsessing over when I could eat next. And I think that that is such a disservice so many times as we start to try to lose weight because we... Oftentimes, what is recommended is this calorie deficit, right? And it's finally, here I am at 49, realizing it's not about the deficit as much as it is about the right nutrients in a meal so that I have the fuel. Starting to think about food as fuel for what it is that I have going on in the day and, you know, that changed so many things for me. I know when I was getting my master's degree, one of my greatest frustrations was I would be studying so hard and starving from it. And I hadn't been physically active, but I was still burning calories. Mm -hmm. I still had, right? And so making sure that those meals are balanced in a way that I like to say that the macronutrients are balanced because we have, oh my goodness, there's so many different ways we balance a meal. Absolutely. <laughs> so... With the gut being the seat of the immune system, with the immune system being critical for those of us who have been diagnosed with cancer, who are going through treatments, and really, quite frankly, for anyone right now with uh, the pandemic, right, what tips do you have for really strengthening and reinforcing that, that seat of our immune system? Okay, so first thing, uh, before we talk about nutrients and vitamins, is listen to your gut. Listen to your gut. Uh, that little voice inside of you that's telling you, you know, uh, I want to go outside or I want to do this, I want to do that, or I want to eat this or I want to eat that. That's your gut, not, not your mind, you know, the gut. My first thing would be for people, uh, wherever they are, wherever they live, to go outside for 20 minutes in the sun and get some vitamin D. Uh, I know you call it vitamin D, so I need to <laughs> make sure people understand me. Vitamin D is like super important for overall health, gut health, immunity, uh, brain, depression, anxiety. Uh, vitamin D is super important. If you don't have the sun where you live, buy what I call an um, SAD lamp. So it's a seasonal affective disorder lamp. I have one for the winter. And so you have it close to you for about 20 to 30 minutes, and it's giving you uh, this light that you need for your body to metabolize, you know, the calcium and everything and the magnesium. So uh, vitamin D is like super important. Vitamin C, everybody knows about vitamin C. Vitamin C is amazing. Parsley has great vitamin C. Kiwi, kiwis, they're amazing. High in vitamin C, all your berries, you know, like blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, they have lots of vitamin C and all your dark green leafy vegetables, kale and spinach. And uh, well, I know that's least attractive compared to, you know, the berries, but it's, they're still uh, so good. And zinc, zinc is amazing. Uh, they've been talking about zinc actually with COVID so many times since March, because zinc is really so important for immunity. It's important for the skin. It's important for so many things. And you find zinc in, you know, the nuts and seeds, for example. Um, but like if you're having a very varied diet, you will have some of that anyway. And if you want to, you know, increase uh, your levels, then, um, you know, maybe you can uh, take some supplements, really good quality from well-known people. Um, but, you know, I like relying on food first. 
uh, I've got to say that at the moment, uh, my family and I, yeah, we're boosting our immune system also with supplements. Um, and, uh, and it's been great, but we're not going to do that forever. It's just in this point in time. So these are the three uh, most important things. And I would add a fourth one, which is probiotics. Probiotics, because you want your gut to be populated by those beautiful bacteria that are helping you be healthy. That is great advice. And of course, well, of course, I think it's great because I'm doing these things, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's awesome. Just made yeah. my own sauerkraut, actually. I've oh got sauerkraut in process from cabbage from the garden. And I'm so excited. It's so easy. It's salt, cabbage, and water. Yes. So, oh my gosh, amazing. So, I am sure that some folks listening would want to know what it would be like if they were to work with someone like you and what to expect. So did you want to talk a little bit about that? And then also, if anybody was curious to have a conversation with you, let us know where they can reach you. Okay, thank you so much. Um, so basically, usually I give a 30-minute free consultation to so that people can talk about their presenting symptoms, what's going on in their life. And usually, initially, their thoughts are all over the place. So it's good for me to have that place where uh, we don't need to organize the, the thoughts of anybody. They can just be like, you know, projecting information after information. And it's great for me. And if they choose to work with me, then I have a, a, a provide an initial con um, consultation which lasts about an hour and a half because I ask tons of questions like, you know, uh, about every single thing in their life, you know, from the moment they're born until now, hormonal system, digestive system, medical history. So, and I want to get a very big picture, uh, like a map, you know, like the map of the world. So I, I want to have a map of the person's world right. to be able to understand what's going on. So I don't always know exactly what's going on straight away because, you know, you can be dealing with some people who have um, some um, viral, you know, microbes or bacterial microbes or uh, they're dealing with, you know, some people deal with Lyme. Uh, my daughter, had, for example, she had like this nasty parasite as well. So lots of people have parasites and we're not talking like parasites that are super long necessarily like tapeworms and everything we're talking minuscule parasites like they're super super tiny but they basically uh they get into your brain and and they get everywhere in your bloodstream so this is afterwards but initially yeah so uh i ask them about everything i ask them about the diet as well and then we have at least two follow-ups usually i like to do four follow-ups after that quite close together you know once they've started the diet i like to have another conversation maybe two to three weeks later to make sure that they are, they're still on track and they still feel supported by me. I want them to feel supported. I'm always available via email anyway, and I will always reply to emails. And so, um, so yeah, so that's what I do. And people can get in touch with me uh, through my website. I have uh, an info page where they can reach out and it's my website is www.trueholisticnutrition.com i'm on linkedin as well um, but i can you know uh, they can have my information later but yeah they can just uh, reach out and let me know if they want to have a 30 minute free consultation and then we can um Yes, there is a lot of great information out on your website. And if you wanted to leave our guests, our listeners with your, your top tip or top bits of advice, what would that be? So my first advice is listen to your gut. That's the first one because we've, uh, we've forgotten to listen to ourselves. We've been so disconnected from who we are. Uh, and uh, listening to our gut is basically listening to what our body is telling us. Like today, at the moment, for example, I am craving liver. So I made a liver pate, all right, because I think I'm in need of vitamin A or something. So 
but I don't always want that. So it, I'm telling people to actually listen to what your body needs, not your mind. Your mind will say, I want sugar. You don't want that. Your body will say, for example, well, um, I will. I would love some tomatoes. And that's probably because, you know, you, you will need some of the stuff from the tomatoes. So that's my first tip. The second tip is really try to find some place in your life to bring your stress levels down because stress is uh, inflammation. Stress inhibits digestion. Um, so when you're stressed, you're not digesting your food. So no matter how great your food is, your food intake is, your nutrition or whatever, it's not going to happen. So being in a relaxed state is super important. My third tip is please, please, please make sure you drink at least half, uh, one and a half liters. I don't know how many pints. I think it's eight pints of water every day, preferably clean water. Um, I call it pure water, but it's filtered water uh, without all the toxins and everything. And uh, even without changing the diet, chew your food thoroughly. Like you're sitting down and I don't know, you're watching something which is not great, but you're, you know, even if you're watching something on your screen, just make sure that you're appreciating the food because then the message to the brain is going to be much quicker to tell it that, you know, you're done, you've had enough food as opposed to like eating as much as you can and then having your, you know, this feeling of, oh my gosh, I ate too much. And then intermittent fasting. So even without changing what you're eating, but intermittent fasting, if you're not in a you know so stressed state, is fantastic. So eating within a window of eight hours is really good. I love it. Those are great tips. I'm telling you, Isa, this is this is how we know you're French and I'm American. I have never craved liver pate. <laughs> 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 no matter how many times a French person tried to get me to try it when I was in France. <laughs> you have to taste mine. It's really nice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining us today and joining me on the podcast and talking nutrition and health and gut health and really how we can boost our immune system. This is, I could talk to you forever. And I know that throughout this, people listening are probably like, why didn't you ask about? And there's just so much amazing information. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us again on another episode of the Your Killer Life podcast. We appreciate you. We appreciate your feedback and love the reviews that we've been getting. Thank you so much. If you have not subscribed yet, be sure to click the like button or the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And all of the links and things that we've talked about today on this episode are going to be in the show notes. So you'll be able to find Isa. You will be able to find the book, Excitotoxins, and any other resources that we mentioned as we do the show notes, we'll make sure that they are in there. And you can always find us out at www.yourkillerlife.com. Thanks so much. And until next time, keep building your killer life. Thank you for listening to Your Killer Life. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information about what you heard on today's show, visit us at yourkillerlife.com or visit our YouTube channel. You will also find us in all the usual places on social media. We have another great episode queued up for you next week. And until then, keep building your killer life.